For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 706 on CJAD 800. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, and joined as usual by Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. Hello, Josh. Hello. And this evening, we're talking doors. Doors. Doors, doors. Walk in, walk out, install. High-end doors, Dan. Dan, yes. doors that uh, not everybody sees every day. And joining us in studio is Leo Lapointe from Portatech, who's our entrepreneur profile for this evening. Leo, welcome to CJD. Hi, how are you guys doing? Good, how are you? So uh, let's begin with the most obvious question. Obviously, you're in the door business, but tell us about Portatech. Wow, where do I begin? A uh, company founded in 1984 from uh, my father-in-law named Jacques Hull. Um Founded it uh, mainly to be different, distinguished from the competition. There's a lot of competition in every industry, but I would say in our industry, it's uh, it's something else. It figures when people are not sure what to do, they pick up a hammer, a tool, open a showroom, and figure it's going to be easy to to manufacture doors and sell them. But what he wanted to do was become different, unique, distinguished in the market and make high-end front-entry door systems. So basically, that's what we do. We manufacture doors uh, locally on the South Shore of Montreal since 1984. So we are a proud Canadian company uh, who make manufacture, excuse me, manufacture high-end doors, front-entry doors mainly, but any door around the house for that matter. So it's it's really for the residential crowd. It's not for commercial use. Residential only. Thank you. Forgot to mention that. Residential only. And like I said, our main focus is to make that home more beautiful, more distinguished. That wow factor when you approach to your your sister's home and you get all jealous and you want to buy one right away. So the idea is when you're driving up and down the streets, you see our doors, you notice them, and you have to start asking questions. Now, manufacturing in Quebec. There's a lot of people that have moved their manufacturing offshore. Why keep it here? Why 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 is there such a specialty? What's the benefit of making sure that you're manufacturing your product here? Uh, first and foremost, sense of proudness to be Canadian uh, organ organization, being here in Canada, building our doors. Uh, when you go outside, like in the in Asia and stuff like that, well, you're not focusing on quality anymore you're focusing on volume so i believe by staying canadian we're staying uh, high-end products so uh, focused on um, answering to the needs of the people and not always concentrating on price 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 and when you're a canadian uh, focused company operating out of canada or montreal for that matter you're focusing on quality and not just volume and price so now you only sell in canada or you sell throughout north america no for now we sell throughout canada started off obviously here in quebec moved on to ontario and now we can say we're almost coast to coast from alberta to uh, nova scotia you say you're you're in the high end doors does that is, is that a con first of all i'm sure it's a conscious decision but have you thought about the lower end doors are you taking yourself out of a market segment i mean where, where's the thought process behind that and i don't know if it's something that started way back when when the company was formed by your father-in-law or today but what's the philosophy behind it and why do you stay away from other segments um when the, like i said before when the company was founded it was to do something different in the market in the industry to open eyes up that a door is not simply a door so it, you got to find your niche and stick by it. If you start focusing on everything that exists in the market of doors from, you know, a, a regular white door you can find at Home Depot, and you also want to sell that high-end entry door system that could be $10,000, $15,000, uh, you've lost focus. So we want to be niched. We are niched. We're high-end. We're proud to say so that we're not a, a price-volume company. And I figure if we go into too many different 
ways in the in the company where it be a low end door, side door, you lose focus. And I find you can't not be a specialist if you do too much within the same walls. So. Now, but before before you got into this business, you had a retail store that dealt uh, with the same similar product. Correct. correct. Well, I was in the retail business before being a manufacturer. So I sold the Portatec product at a retail level for over 15 years and was very extremely successful at it. But once I said before, you got to focus on what you want to do and what kind of clientele you want to attract. And once you found your niche, never let it go. Uh, stay strong in the path. Uh, offer quality products from right to the manufacturing, right to the install and give a great after-sales service is the key with a high-end product because higher-end product, people are going to look for a service down the road, not just at the purchase, but if there's a problem in, in, in the future on the product. What made you switch? What made you say, you know what, I'm tired of retail, I'm tired of having my own store, I want to go into the manufacturing side of it. I want to go on the other side into, I don't know if it's the dark side or retail's the dark <laughs> side, but, but why make the switch? What were the driving factors for um, you? They both have their challenges. Uh, I would say the re retail business, I, I, I had goals, I had uh, targets, which I achieved. And once you achieve your, your goals and targets as an entrepreneur, you always look for uh, new challenges, a new life if you want, a new, something to wow you. And um, I was curious. I wanted to be able to go on the road and develop this product with other salesmen, with other retail businesses across Canada, tell them, hey, look what we can do. This has existed in Europe for I don't know how many decades and years. But yet here in Canada, we're 20 years behind the game, but not with Portatech. We, uh, we innovate, innovate, innovate. Uh, we challenge ourselves. So I think to answer your question more clearly, it was for the challenge. It was to uh, make people aware of a door is not just a door. I was doing that, but I was doing that locally. I wanted to bring it across Canada and hopefully one day across North America. Yeah, some people say uh, having a retail store is is challenging enough let let alone other let alone other as, other aspects are going to manufacturing but certainly manufacturing is a whole other aspect now you're really you're not just buying the end product you're creating the product you're getting those raw materials and putting it together from scratch there's a whole quality aspect that now your name is tied to um, absolutely um, the only thing we do not manufacture is glass and hardware but the rest you're absolutely right we buy the raw material and there's uh, definitely a secret in how to assemble all this together uh, buying unique parts and material from different parts of Canada and sometimes outside of Canada, unfortunately. There's some things that we can't always buy that come from Canada. That being said, it's, uh, it's a challenge uh, because don't forget that your front entry door system is something that you open up maybe 30, 40 times a day when you have kids and whatnot. So it can't only be beautiful. It's got to be uh, obviously beautiful and aesthetically speaking uh, sound, but it's got to be also technically sound and technically long-term, 30, 40 years investment here. So. Has technology for doors changed over time? Uh, tremendously, I would say. We are, we're a very European-inspired company. Uh, as I said before, uh, Europe and our industry are a good 15, 20 years ahead of the game, uh, technically speaking and uh, aesthetically speaking. Uh, so, yes, uh, it's changed tremendously uh, at a hardware level, uh, at the uh, frame level, sill level for water and air filtration. It's uh, improved quite a bit, and now we're fighting for the new Canadian building codes that are now coming out. So uh, always improving on the technical aspects of the product. It's huge. And you got to stay ahead of the game by innovating, but not just in beauty, but in technical aspects. So is there a research and development side to your business? Absolutely there is. Um, I may not have mentioned it before, but I'll say this word in French. It's more familiar to me, but that we're a small PME yep. uh, and a proud one. And when I say small, uh, 
I don't mean necessarily in volume of sales, but small in the sense of we don't have 150 employees. Um, so reach and development is done by us internally. It could be Catherine, who, uh, who is the president of the company, and also Jacques' daughter, uh, who, who strives very, very strong to innovate with our marketing director, our production manager, uh, myself, uh, colleagues, uh, members of the manufacturing plant, uh, members of the out-of-sales service. So it's not given at an outside contract. It's done in-house research and development because we think we're the best ones at it because we're the one producing the product. So we will uh, send the father-in-law over to Europe every couple of years, and he'll bring us back about 3,000 pictures. And uh, not some, not, sometimes not on doors. We're wondering why that's there. But, <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, innovate, innovate in-house. And, and it's interesting. You're, you're mentioning your father-in-law. Uh, you're mentioning his daughter that happens to be your wife. Uh, I have no doubt that there is an interesting family. As far as you told me, hey, <laughs> as far as I know, and if she's listening, I, I hope she still is. Uh, but uh, but actually, actually interested to know how that dynamic is. Not so much, uh, you know, more how you're working together because now you and your wife see each other day in, day out. And uh, I'm sure it's a lot of fun. I'm sure you don't get on each other's nerves. You hug multiple times a day, just like you open doors. But when we... When we come back after the break, we're going to touch on that. All right. So the perils of family business here in studio with us is Leo Lapointe from Porta Tech on today's Entrepreneur 715 right now. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 718 on today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Josh Miller of Fuller Landau with you. And our guest is Leo Lapointe from Portatech, a family business that, uh, that manufactures doors. And so let's talk about the family question now. Uh, Leo, how is it working uh, with, uh, with so close to your family with your wife? Um, um, before I started working with Catherine, who is now the president of the company, um, I worked with her father before working with Catherine. So the dynamic has been... A challenge to say the least but nonetheless uh, achievable and very successful uh, you got to learn how to separate your personal and your business life which is a it's very difficult for most people to do so you got to learn how when to talk about business when not to talk about business when to laugh when not to laugh uh, secrets not to keep too many <laughs> but uh, nonetheless uh, it's been a challenge but I would say in my case uh, throughout my career as an entrepreneur or just an employee I've worked often with brothers and uh, my both my brothers actually so it's always been a challenge but I know how to separate the two so the biggest issue when you're working with family or friends is separating pleasure and business or did, mixing both together if you can let, let, let's let's start with your father-in-law first did you guys share a philosophy was it difficult to to get on the same page often or you know was really smooth from the get-go smooth because uh, his life is sales and my life is sales uh, it's what I'm good at, it's what I was born to do, uh, it's what my father also did for a long period of his career was sales. Uh, my brothers is the same thing, sales, so that's what we uh, eat and breathe is sales. So because him being so strong in the sales aspect of his company and me bringing a younger philosophy of sales into his company, uh, there was no challenges there. We saw eye to eye in most stuff and when we didn't, well, we'd go have a beer. <laughs> <laughs> All things worked out over alcohol. I can I can appreciate that one. Uh, and and now we turn to Catherine, your wife, the president of the company, uh, your your boss, peer, call it where you want. Um, how does it? How do you divide the roles, and how do you turn off at night or on the weekend, or you don't? Um, wow. Okay. 
Where do I start with that one? Uh, you start with praising her. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, beautiful business mind. She's a, a very young entrepreneur who uh, didn't necessarily start her career as an entrepreneur, but I think in the past few years of her life was her dream or her 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 role was to take over her dad's com- company slowly but surely and make sure it, it goes on for another minimum 30 years. So uh, tremendous respect for entrepreneurship and uh, her strength. Uh, even in the economy being tough, especially in our industry, I would say all industries, but I would say in, in renovation, especially high-end renovation, it's definitely a challenge. So uh, when we decided to, to uh, start working together uh, at a full-time level, uh, there had to be ground rules. Uh, does she does she compliment you? I mean, her, you said her dad was more the sales aspect. Is she also sales or is no, she better? No, 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 no. no. But not, that's a good and, thing. She compliments you. That's the key, I would say, is not focus on the same thing in the business. You know, she focuses as a general manager role, uh, role excuse me, on everything about the business, but mainly production. Uh, she's great in the for the accounting department. She's great for the production. And no, strength is not sales. But you don't want to have a general manager who's strong in everything. Your company won't be successful. You have to have key men in every department. How do you resolve disputes if you guys are deadlocked uh, about the direction of a business or decision that has to be made? How uh, how do you work that out? I go to my favorite employee and she goes to hers <laughs> and we let them duke it out. No, um, we don't make any decisions. It's not a one man show at Portatech. It never has been, never will be. Uh, we do uh, meetings every Monday for all the directors, production manager, marketing manager, uh, general manager and sales manager. That's my role at the company. Uh, and we discuss uh, ups and downs of the week we just had and we discuss problems in each department and we make decisions as a team. And uh, once we made you know, initial decisions in that meeting, we then go to our colleagues. And I clearly said colleagues because we don't believe in saying employees, it's colleagues. So everyone has a say at the company. So our disputes are tried to do wide open with the employees, our colleagues, excuse me, with our colleagues, and decisions are made as a team. So the disputes are hardly one-on-one because we rarely do meetings one-on-one. And quickly, just before we go to break, do you guys turn off at night? Do you have this no talk after a certain hour on the weekends or everything just blends in? Well, there's one period at night that if I were to talk business, there'll be no, uh, well, you know what no, I'm saying. No, no, nothing else. <laughs> but nonetheless, no, there is a turnoff period that I would say uh, we give ourselves a rule. Six o'clock Friday until eight o'clock Monday morning, it's nothing but pleasure. And during the week, we lay, let each other go with what we have to do with the business to make it successful. Talking business on the weekend is a turnoff. I got <laughs> it. Coming back after the break, we're talking about people and roles. Let's talk about human resources. Let's talk about your team. Leo Lapointe joins us from Port de Tech on today's Entrepreneur at 723. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 725 on today's Entrepreneur. Our guest is Leah Lapointe of Porta Tech, and we're talking about people, certainly a lot of family in the business, but it's not just about family, of course. Uh, lots of other employees. So, uh, Josh, let's handle uh, HR. And there's certainly many aspects. I mean, from the manufacturing to sales, it's very different than running a retail operation, I, I have no doubt. Tell us a little bit about your philosophy on, on or the, maybe the Porta Tech's philosophy on managing the team and how that works. Um. I'd like to first and foremost mention that for us at our place, it's not employees, it's colleagues. So uh, handling human resources when you handle employees as colleagues goes pretty smoothly. doesn't mean that it's a perfect system, but it means that they've earned my respect and they've earned mine, and I've earned theirs, excuse me. 
So uh, when it comes to human resources, it's just treating them like one of the gang and always getting them involved in all big decisions. Not necessarily the financial decisions of the, of the business, but everything else, they're involved. We keep them aware of uh, decisions, bad ones, good ones. What's our next move? What are we innovating? Uh, should we market this this way, market it that way? So when an employee, what we call a colleague, feels involved in the place they work, they feel like they own a part of the company. So they give a certain devotion and time to the company that an average employee wouldn't give. So it kind of flows on its own. And when there's respect and, I, and laughter, laughter is key. It's so healthy to laugh uh, when, you're, when, you have, when you work in any atmosphere, any, any industry. You've got to learn how to laugh and take your job sometimes just lightly and uh, go with the flow. How many people are you at Portage? Uh When we are uh, at... Uh, I would say because we're not a 12 month a year period company, we're focused. Say at your say, peak. Yeah. At my peak would probably be about uh, 37. Now, are you formal in some of your processes? Like, do you give annual evaluations? Uh, how do you how do, when you're when you're 37, you're at your peak? Do you get everybody together in a room periodically and have your raw raw speech? How do you make sure that the culture is maintained? Um, I would say that one thing we do have on our boards everywhere in the production and at the uh, at the cafeteria is our goals, our mission, our attitude, our respect that we have to have. It's written in big and black and white in French and English everywhere, plastered everywhere. That's one thing. So it's a constant reminder of what we want to do as a company, how we want to do it together and how we're going to get there. Um, after that, the rah-rah meetings, uh, that's, my, that's my specialty. So I, I get them going with always uh, laughter and jokes on a daily basis. And then, of course, once a week, our, our what we call a board meeting with the directors. And then our production manager does a really good job in motivating uh, the guys in the shop to tell them it's, it's not, you're not, you're not in a line of production. You're making something. You're making a dream. You're making a, an entry door system to a beautiful home, someone's personal home that, that may cost a half million dollars their home. So you're going to better someone's home. And they try to focus on it's not just a door. It's more than just a door you're building. It could be someone's dream. It could be 20 years running that they want a beautiful entry door. So once again, getting them involved, doing the weekly meetings, uh, keeping them smiling, keeping the atmosphere friendly, and not so much, well, here comes the boss, it's here comes the joker. Have you ever, have you ever had an employee give you, because I presume you take suggestions from your uh, colleagues, I'll stop calling them employees, suggestions from your colleagues. If they have an idea, it's great. I'm sure you encourage it. Um, is it did anybody ever come out with with good ideas like or, or anything that you've really been able to employ within the firm uh i would say a lot actually the, the most of the good ideas do come from the, the, the my colleagues employees what don't you want to call them uh, partners and so on and so forth so uh of course you got to take the good with the bad but there is no bad idea that's what's from everything we promoted at portatech is that whatever you're thinking bring it up there's no stupid ideas or bad ideas we'll what about training? Do they need to be trained? Like, how do, do you have a formal process to train your people? Is it is it constant? Is it once a year? I don't believe in a formal training once a year or in a, in a boardroom and everyone's there because then you get that sense of they're not comfortable. You know, they're not going to speak out amongst other people. So you kind of do it discreetly on a daily basis. You focus on some of their weak points without telling them it's their weak points, but you focus on them and you challenge them. And in return, they're going to challenge you. So I don't believe in formal meetings. What I do believe in is is focusing on them on a daily basis, make sure they know that you're supporting them, and uh, make them feel at ease when they have something negative or positive to say because in front of people, usually people kind of close up sometimes. So I don't like doing anything formally with the training. Dan, we've heard many entrepreneurs be inclusive with their, their team and their colleagues, and somehow they always seem to find success in that. Portatech and Leo is definitely no different. 
So coming up, uh, also we'll talk uh, marketing a little bit uh, later as well on today's Entrepreneur, but uh, more with Leo from Portatech after the news at 7.30. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 734, welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My, my name is Dan Delmore with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller, of course, and our guest this evening is Leo Lapointe from Portatech. Uh, they are a door manufacturer, and uh, Josh, we'll get to the marketing end in a little bit, but first, financing, incredibly important, and of course, dealing with the banks, which we know is always a pleasant experience. Well, no doubt, and certainly in manufacturing with whatever equipment is needed and whatever ups and downs and possible recessions but running a business is and running a manufacturer is not like running a retail store so there's no doubt that financial partners are important uh, and I guess I'll turn to Leo and ask him about his experience uh, positive or negative on when you're when you were looking for financing for financial assistance uh, what worked for you guys well once the father-in-law said no <laughs> <laughs> We had to that, go that wasn't that wasn't to you asking for her, his daughter's hand in marriage, right? No, of course not. That was a big yes. Um, joking aside, um, we went to uh, the BDC and uh, Investissement Quebec, and they've been very supportive, both of them, and giving us a helping hand. And I would say, if uh, BDC has been wonderful, they it's not a, a bank that just lends you money and expects the interest uh, in double fold. They they're there to support you as a true partner. Uh, Quebec, uh, Investment Quebec also, mind you. But uh, the BDC has been uh, behind us all the way with support uh, as far as the sales goes, marketing, even at the production level. Like, wherever we want the help, they're there to support, right? They're not pushy, but they're there to suggest things and ideas. And they have teams in place for each department, whether it be marketing, sales, production, or even accounting for that matter. But you, you certainly have to go to them with the right business plan and the right information. You certainly have to give them the energy and the ammunition to be able to help you. I, I have to give full credit to, to Catherine uh, on that one. Uh, she, she came up with a business plan that was just uh, numbing. It was just incredible, you know, as for someone that has a teaching background, uh, two master's degree in teaching background, but is now an entrepreneur, came up with this business plan that I think knocked the socks off the BDC. So we made them true believers uh, because they also truly believe that we have a product that's just going to uh, knock the socks off of the industry. We have a unique, distinguished product. So when you have something unique and distinguished that you believe in and you have this, the, 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 support, the support from your team behind you, the BDC got on board. Uh, there was no question. You, you, you do have this unique product, and it's a high-end product. Does that mean you're recession-proof? I mean, how did, how did you guys deal with or fare with, uh, you know, in late 2008 and, and a little bit beyond, when the financial markets and people took uh, took some big hits. No, we're not recession proof. I don't think any businesses, for that matter, is, is a true recession proof. Uh, maybe dentists and stuff <laughs> like that. But nonetheless, uh, recession proof. I don't believe that anybody is. What helps us, honestly, it comes back to the same things over and over again. But when you when you're very strong side of innovation of your product and you're distinguished and you're high end and you're truly high end and you can prove it to the customers, uh, it helps a lot in a recession. People truly believe that when a session hits, the first thing to do is, is, excuse the expression, but drop their pants, drop their prices, look for a cheap you know, supplier, and sell on volume. That is the last thing you got to do when a recession hits. It's focus on higher-end products, be distinguished, and because people who have money in a recession still have money, right? It's an old saying, but it's the truth. Mm -hmm. So when you focus on people who have money, 
uh, your success will be there. It's just that you have to have the good salesmanship to be able to, to, to show and, uh, and uh, ex better explain the product so people believe in it. Did you have to spend that much more time training and educating people and your, your team to make sure, hey, guys, uh, or you know, internally, you know, this is, this is what you're selling, this is the high end, this is where we're not veering away from. And from a customer standpoint, it's you're really getting value for money. Yes, it's expensive, but it's it's gorgeous and it's going to last. Well, uh, well, first off, I want to use the word expensive. That scares people off because there's value to the price. But nonetheless, yes, it's a higher end door. Therefore, price comes with it. Um, absolutely. You've got to train constantly. We said before on a daily basis. Uh, sneak it in there on a daily basis, remind uh, the, my colleagues, uh, and at that point, maybe more employees, because you got to really pound it in them and say, listen, guys, let's not lose our focus here. We're, we're here for, for another 30 years selling high-end products. Let's let the market know who we are and what we do, and we'll have success, even if in a recession. I think that's what you got to do in a recession, is focus on different, higher-end stuff. And speaking of marketing and speaking of educating the customer, uh, what do you do for your marketing? Is is education of the customer and the retailer very important for your marketing aspects? Absolutely. That's when we bring in the big gun, the, the father-in-law. We let him tour the country. No. <laughs> um, that's definitely one thing we do use, mind you, believe it or not. He can get the message across. Um, marketing is with our product. The best way to market our product, or a high-end product, as far as I'm concerned, is home shows. Uh, big national ones, like the Montreal one that just passed at Place Bonaventure. Uh, we were there for the 10 days as a manufacturer. As you guys know, we don't sell to the consumers. So we were there to speak about our products, tell people who we are, where they can be found, uh, how how they can be purchased, and who can install them. So we're, we have that product there. When you're on the radio and TV, it's, it's great, but that's for volume. We're not necessarily looking for volume. We're looking for the right clientele for the right product. And uh, when you're in the high-end business, you don't need as much volume as you're in when, when you're in the regular business of, of the product. So... Uh, We've had other entrepreneurs on the show talk about trade shows, and some are good with them, but there are many that, that downplay them or say that, you know what, really doesn't do much for us, and so we've kind of steered away or, or gone selected. Why are trade shows so, so good for you? If you do a trade show, key thing is what? Be different. If you're going to show what everyone's already showing or show stuff that people saw five years ago, they're going to get bored quick, and they're going to stop coming. If you're innovative in what you do, and you show something different and you present it with a wow factor, they pour in on themselves. You don't have to go get them in the aisles. Uh, Portatech is not about going and pouring the clients from the aisles of the streets. They come on their own. And that's the truth. We're, we are, we, we're the wow factor. So we're not putting doors there at $500 white both sides. We're putting something completely different, whether it be a contemporary or classic or medieval looking. It's got to be a wow factor. And when you have that different product to show, people will come it's automatic they got to touch it they got to open it it's it's something about doors people have to open them <laughs> uh, you, you do medieval doors absolutely that's cool <laughs> game of thrones here we go but the, the, you mentioned that we do whatever type of door you want we consider ourselves the door designer from the bottom of the door right to the head right to the hardware right to the glass so you tell us what you want if you have imagination bring it to us and we'll create your door with it together what about the materials? Uh, are we moving sort of away from uh, the woods and more into plastic doors these days? Stuff that's uh, that's uh, last a bit longer, maybe. Very good question. Actually, we uh, being unique, we do all three. We do fiberglass, steel, and we do wood covered on steel. So we don't do solid wood doors. So steel, once again, higher end steel, a thicker gauge of steel to prevent uh, warping and denting. Uh, and minor scratches. Uh, we do fiberglass for the ones that are looking for that wood look, but 
don't trust the wood in our climate. And then we do a wood clad on our steel products, which is something else. It's uh, You can put wood on both sides, wood on one side, uh, two different species of wood, have contemporary inside the house and medieval on the outside. So you can have some fun with our product as far as technical aspects and aesthetics. You can have some lot of fun. It can be a, you know, a lot of people consider, you know, shopping windows and doors a boring aspect of uh, of shopping. They can, oh, we got to go and shop our door. When you buy a Portatech product, it's actually fun. The process is fun, and especially if I get my hands on you, you're, you're, you're finished. <laughs> is, also, is there a lot of R&D going into uh, energy savings, too? That's, that seems to be really popular with windows uh, and doors lately, sort of keeping the heat in, especially in this climate. Absolutely. We had to uh, become a, a, what they call Energy Star. Um, it's worth what it's worth. We have to be Energy Star to, to be uh, for all these programs. Like right now, they have the Eco Renov going on. And then in, 19, in, 19, in 2009, they had also mm -hmm. a renovation kickback. Uh, you have to be Energy Star to be a part of these programs, right, to be efficient. Uh, with all these new Canadian building codes coming out uh, with our value and everything else, the focus has to be there. I mean, the entry door systems today are not like it used to be. These new home constructions, the doors are huge, they're massive, lots of glass. So you got to focus on water, air infiltration. So we are, our big focus technically are those three aspects, infraction, water infiltration, air infiltration. So it can't just be about beauty. So, of course, we're Energy Star, efficient, absolutely. It sounds like, I mean, there, there's a lot of regulations and a lot of aspects you have to follow does the is, does Portatech keep up on its own? Are you part of an association? Is that a good thing for you? Uh, we are part of a glass association that keeps us informed via email, through uh, websites and uh, and newsletters. Absolutely, but uh, we do most of it on our own. To be honest, we're very proactive and uh, we keep ourselves aware for you know being a part of different memberships in the industry. But we're very proactive. I'd say we do our proper own research and make sure like you know the new Canadian Building Code has been out since two thousand and ten. And in some provinces, active for two years. Well, we've been ahead of the game because we sell in all the provinces. So, Now, how do you reach, what's your best way to get to your customer? If it's not trade show, how do you reach them? How do you get a new customer? Um, first off and foremost, we sell through uh, retailers. So we don't sell to the consumer directly. So we have over 52 active retailers across Canada. And uh, so one is done through them, of course. Uh, with our collaboration, we do marketing together, whether it be smaller trade shows in their in their cities in their market or whether it be a local local newspaper whether it be a phone book whether it be a, a radio and tv as some of our customers will do so that's one way uh, but the the next big thing was that we all know is web mm -hmm. you know it's web 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 so our website uh, is only getting stronger and stronger showing pictures what we would like to do actually to our web is become like the car industry client goes on there builds their door gets to the retailer and say this is what I want. And great topic that we're going to hit right after the break. <laughs> you know, it wasn't even planned, but he fed right into it. Uh, we'll continue with marketing, building your website when we come back from the break. All right, today's Entrepreneur with our guest, Leo Lapointe from Porta Tech. It's uh, 7.45. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.48 on today's Entrepreneur, our guest this evening, Leo Lapointe of Porta Tech, and we also bring in Stephanie Dowers, marketing specialist at Flora Landau, into the conversation to uh, talk about websites and, uh, and online marketing, Josh. And, you know, Leo ended with uh, a, a beautiful segue in saying, you know, we're working on our website, we're improving it, we're... but there's no doubt, I mean, entrepreneurs, they start from scratch, they change their website, they revamp it, they reinvent themselves probably everywhere, every, any three, four 
five years if you're really going to wait too long. But Steph, as we as we talk about websites, maybe you can kind of give us some insight and challenges as to the things to look for, the things to be aware of, the the things that really when you're when you're revamping a website, when you're starting from scratch, what's the first step? Well, I think a lot of times people build a website and then three years go by, four years go by, and they've probably spent a lot of money on it, and they don't realize that you're always going to have to spend money on your website, and you'll probably have to redo it. Not maybe a full redo, but a good portion of it, at least the style and the design, probably every three to four years. And the first thing I always say when I'm doing a website with someone is that even though you have this great idea and you have this great idea for design, is to really work out your content first. And that doesn't mean writing out a huge doctoral thesis, but having the outline first, because it's really hard to do the design without the content. And if you do it in the reverse order, your design is not going to work because you don't know how much content you're going to have. So that's my first thing is let's work out on what the outline is. Let's get the, most of the text done. It doesn't have to be finalized, right? Because it's a website. You can make changes. But let's not talk about the look until we know what we're trying to make a look for. But you don't have to when you're designing, when you're saying content, it doesn't necessarily mean all the words to describe it. It's just saying what are the, what is the outline? What are the topics that we really want to, you know, but really also drill the down? Words. It doesn't have to be your final copy, but at least you know that you're not looking at 800 words. You're, maybe you want to make it for 300 words or you want to have just maybe a title and a table. So if you only have the outline, that's a good step. But let's also have some of the actual content written and then we can edit as we go to finalize the terminology to optimize it. But the content really, it, it just makes the process much smoother and the end result much better when the content's more or less done beforehand. And after content is done? After content is done, I don't know how to say this nicely, but don't be cheap. So we need to not just, you know, a guy Ouch. who knows a guy who's going to get you a site done for 400 bucks because that site's off of a template and it looks like it's from 2009, which isn't even that long ago, but it's a long time ago. Um, so don't be cheap. You're going to spend a lot of money on the design, but that's okay because this is your, your showpiece. And it's maybe you don't have to get 40 pages of your website. Maybe your actually website only needs four pages and that's where you're going to save the cost. So when it comes to design, really find somebody who can work with you to, to help you meet your goals. Because that's actually, I think, number 2A and 2B is know what the goal of your website is. And you're always writing content not for yourself because you want people to know all about you, but for your user. And a, a good designer is going to help you focus in on that. Now, how much has design and the ability and the changes over the years, I mean, has have there been drastic changes? You mentioned 2009 is not 2014, which is uh, of course, but what kind of major changes have you seen uh, in design websites over the many years? I think the biggest change now is that there used to be this this idea that you don't you want just one on your screen, everything you see right there above the fold, like a newspaper. But now people don't mind scrolling, right? Because think of it when someone's on an iPad, and we'll talk about responsive design in a second. But when someone's on an iPad, they're just always they're making that motion, right? They're flicking down, they're flicking it, down, they're flicking down. It was radio. We can see the motion, but <laughs> thanks for describing it. it. <laughs> so that to me is the biggest change is that now you have almost infinite scrolling. Like look at websites like uh, BuzzFeed. I know, don't judge me. I really like BuzzFeed. Um, but you just keep going. It just keeps loading more and more. And then that kind of brings me into spend the extra money. Make sure, sure your design is responsive because there's nothing worse than looking at someone's website on an iPhone and you're pinching in and out trying to trying to hit something that's not meant for an iPhone. So spend the extra dollars, make it responsive. That, that's a great point, Stephanie. Uh, is it mandatory right now to have a website that is not only mobile friendly, but maybe iPad friendly too? Yes, I 100% I think so. Because 
if you're let's think of it as if you're a like like port attack or i guess no because you're a retailer but the retailer itself trying to sell the doors your your goal is conversions right so maybe the person is not going to make the purchase on their mobile device be it ipad or phone but they're going to judge you right away because they're going to be on the bus or they're going to be some they're going to check out your website then they're going to go to their computer no they're not going to want to go to your computer if your mobile website was ineffective so it's so important to make your website responsive and i know it costs more but it's kind of it's kind of the mandatory now we're talking with Leo Lapointe from Portatech and Stephanie Darwish on online marketing. Today's Entrepreneur on CJD 753. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. We're back with Leo Lapointe from Portatech and Stephanie Darwish is here to talk about marketing online as well, Josh. And just before we get back to Stephanie, I kind of want to turn to Leo and ask him, when was the last time you redid your website? Like, what's the status of your website today? Oh, we just revamped it last week. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, 2008, uh, as embarrassing as that sounds, um, when we kind of took over the company, uh, we had a lot of things to focus on. So uh, we had to focus on new colleagues, mm -hmm. maybe, or they're, make sure they're working in the right departments because before spending thousands of dollars on a new website, we've got to make sure we have the technical support behind it once the orders start pouring in. But nonetheless, uh, we're there. We're there now. We're starting to revamp it as we speak. And Stephanie did say thousands of dollars, not hundreds. So that's a good sign. <laughs> good, good. Rule number three followed. What What, what else uh, can you offer as far as building your website? This is a, a like this is my own personal preference as somebody, I guess, who works in marketing. But to me, it's also always worth it to get your website built on a content management platform. So content management meaning that you, me, your uncle and his cousin can go on log in and it's like using Microsoft Word you're just basically what you see is what you get editing so the opposite of that is calling your programmer letting them know what the text is and you want to maybe make a change it just makes it easier to manage your own website and it lets you bring the process internal so if you have something where you want to be always showing a special like we're having 0.9% uh, interest rate on cars right now you can actually change that text on that box yourself without having to call people and pay that extra money. How often do you feel that content needs to be changed or updated? Oh, I think it needs to be changed and updated all the time because that's how you help with your search engine results. So, but you can, there's different strategies to do that. So you can have your set content and then you have other content that's constantly updated and refreshed, hoping to drive customers to your other content. So a blog's an easy way to do that attached to your site. And then once they're on your blog, then they could click through, but it's your blog results that'll get hit first. The reality is if you want to keep up to date with your content and change it, you need to devote whatever resources your company has to make that happen. Yeah, exactly. It's websites are ongoing. It's not a stagnant project. You don't it's no finish date. It's always you're you're always working on your website. And I know there's tons more to talk about websites. Uh, certainly, whether you're building it from scratch or revamping it, there's a lot of work to do. Not to spend hundreds of dollars if you want to do it, but spend thousands if you want to do it right. But as we approach the the last moment of the show. Uh, we'll turn to Leo, and as we do with every entrepreneur, we'll ask him our, our one final question. Uh, Leo, what one piece of advice would you give to today's entrepreneur? First and foremost, get yourself a great accountant from Fuller Landau, and, you <laughs> and you'll make some money. But uh, structure, focus and structure. And once you get that vision that you, where you want to bring your company to, stay the line. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs are not focused and are not structured. 
and they're kind of shooting the gun in every which direction and hopefully they, you know they, they, they hit somebody one day the idea with uh, with us is structure and focus I can't stress that enough and uh, target yourself a goal and not necessarily a yearly goal or a monthly goal but maybe even a daily goal and every day achieve that goal to be successful so if I had to sit down with a a 24-year-old entrepreneur who wants to start off, I'd say, what's your goals? Do you have a structure? Do you have a vision? Get to it. And once you hit it, don't let anybody uh, change your mind. You know, you can learn about your mistakes anyhow. So, Excellent. Thank you very much, Leo. Dan, my quick takeaway here is know what you know. Do Choose your product. Choose your service. Know it. Do it well. Know what you want to be. Know that you can't be all things to all people and do the best with your choice, your vision, and your structure, as Leo put it. Thanks, uh, Josh. Thanks to Leo Lapointe from Porta Tech and Stephanie Darwish on marketing this evening. We're back in three weeks, taking a bit of a hiatus for the election and then for Passover. So we'll talk uh, three Mondays from now. It's 8 o'clock on CJAD.